0: everybody, welcome to the podcast. This is Aaron. Thanks for joining. And I have two really exciting guests here with us, Stacia and Lauren. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, both of, and you guys can uh, uh, specify what your fields are, but I've got a couple capable mental health professionals here with me as we're in this series talking about spirituality and mental health and how they... Interact, and so um, Stacia, you've been on the podcast once before. So since yes. you've done this before, we'll make you go first.
1: Awesome! Give us a little
0: bit of a bio. Tell us about you.
1: Sure, I'm Stacia Chaplin. I am an LCSW—that's a licensed clinical social worker. I'm um, currently I am in private practice um, with some other girls um, at Full Circle Counseling, and uh, my preference is trauma work, but we kind of work with everything across the board. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited to be here today to talk about trauma.
0: Yeah, trauma is my jam. our our focus for the day mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. then also you've helped integrated wellness get up and going which we've talked about true. here on the podcast absolutely. before and people That's
1: true. we don't want to forget about integrated wellness
0: yeah maybe familiar with that as mm-hmm. well yeah cool absolutely. lauren
2: uh my name's lauren fugit um i'm an lpc so licensed professional counselor um mm-hmm. i've been licensed too long hard to admit that. Um <laughs> 2010. Wow. Um and I've had a lot of different roles. Currently I'm the clinical director of an intensive outpatient program called The Middle Path mm-hmm. um here in Blunt County. And I'm also in private practice. Um I've worked from nonprofit mental health agencies to inpatient hospitals um i've done a lot of trauma work as well i primarily worked with kids with trauma histories Mm -hmm. um but um right now i see clients with various issues from trauma to major depression um anxiety a lot of things yeah
0: So. so you guys both ended up uh mental health professionals Can we, what's this like, how did you, how did you end up landing in this field?
1: Well, one day I woke up, I'm just kidding. Um, I think from, this is Stacia. I think for me, um, I actually started out in the health field. Um, I have two older brothers. Both of them are physicians. And so I was going Mm -hmm. to go that route as I am the youngest. But, you know, the more time that I spent in the medical field, um, I just always felt like something was missing. You know, I will never forget. I was shadowing a doctor in a volunteer it was like a volunteer community clinic kind of a thing um and the the patient was telling this doctor how he was struggling with alcohol and this this doctor and this is not to talk badly about physicians by any means but in this one instance you know this physician was just kind of like poo-pooing it you know mm-hmm. and he, the, the physician kept saying well all you got to do is stop drinking and your blood pressure will go down
0: <laughs> just make a and, choice yeah and then yeah. just
1: walked out of the room and this guy was in tears and i yeah. remember thinking wow there's so much more Mm. that I want to do then then be able to, you know then just to do the the medical part and that's needed too i mean i want to yeah. you know appreciate that and give light to that but that's kind of what got me started in this direction yeah. of noticing that there's more
0: so here's an mm-hmm. honest question from my own ignorance is it is it offensive if um you make a distinction between hard and soft sciences like cuz people sometimes will talk about mental health professionals like oh they're kind of more on the soft sciences does that, does that ruffle your feathers? I think it feathers?
2: depends on who it is. I personally am not, but I know people that would be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get it. Honestly. I get it. Because, like, well, the reason why I said that is, and I've said that before, like, I prefer my science is soft. Like, <laughs> really hyper-technical. Like, oh, no, I can't possibly. Mm-hmm. But... The more sort of theoretical, let's figure out how we work. Mm -hmm. I think that's really fascinating, Mm -hmm, which is maybe why we're doing this. What about you, Lauren? How'd you end up a mental health professional?
2: Well, it definitely wasn't because of my first experience in mental health, because that was not positive. It was actually, Mm. I remember it was uh, having to go through counseling uh, while my parents were going through a divorce. And we were mandated to go through, and it was a horrible experience. Uh. Um, But it wasn't really until later, I was actually in high school and doing a a senior transition class, and part of it was like exploring different careers and things like that. And I did like a job shadow, actually at Blunt Memorial in their inpatient unit. And I got to tour around, and I was like, "This is this is fascinating." Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting and kind of piqued my interest there. And um, then just through kind of studying psychology in my undergrad and all that, I was like. I love it. This is mm. this is it. I didn't know where it would take me at that point, but I knew I had to do something in that field. Yeah, it's a very broad field. There's a there's a lot of different places
0: you mm-hmm. can go,
1: and so I was the same way of like I don't really know where this is going to get me, but one thing leads to the other. Well, yeah. It's been a so great
0: I, we're gonna spend some time chatting about trauma in particular, and. Here's the thing, like, um, it seems like a really broad subject, and the term to me feels really, really vague. (laughs) And if if we were to go, you know, I don't know exactly how you find it, but sometimes you'll do a word search on Google, and they will... Uh, it'll show you a graph of how frequently a word has been used throughout mm-hmm. history. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it for the word trauma, but I'm betting we're in like this massive spike where it's like, I used to never hear this word, and now everybody's traumatized all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, probably that's moving into reality, and probably it's swung way past reality. Mm-hmm. I have no sense of that. But it's pretty buzzy right now. Absolutely. And I do hear people, myself included, using the word trauma and be like, I, we don't really know what that word means. So... <laughs> I think we have to start there. <laughs> what mm-hmm. do you guys have an operating definition or how would you how would you go about defining trauma?
1: So, I consider trauma any stressful event or disturbing event that causes adverse responses, adverse physical responses in your body for a lengthy amount of time. Mm-hmm. So there's various okay. types of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, we can get into that. But essentially, you're looking at the outcome of what that experience was. Mm -hmm. And trauma is different for everybody. So I always say, you know, to clients that I work with, I could be in the same car accident as you. Mm -hmm. You might walk out with trauma. I might walk out feeling just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's very different. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And, okay, so my experience of that is like, Sometimes people experience something Or in a shared experience of something mm-hmm. One person might be horrifically traumatized mm-hmm. The other one not so much mm-hmm. And then we think And you, you can correct me if I'm wrong But we might tend to think Okay, the one who walked away unscathed Is the strong one The other one the right. weak But then those same people Could experience a different kind of trauma And then it'd mm-hmm. be flipped The one who was unaffected same. by the car accident For example mm-hmm. Is just traumatized horrifically by I don't know An embarrassing moment or whatever mm-hmm. shameful moment.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So
0: it's not a strong and weak thing based on how you react. Not at all. Not at all.
1: And we talk about, you know, the different kinds of trauma, you know, there's acute trauma and, you know, according to the DSM, that's, you know, when we have that, those adverse reactions to the negative event lasting less than a month or up to Mm -hmm. a month. Mm -hmm. And then we go into, you know, the bigger diagnosed diagnoses, which is, you know, the post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's, you know, those adverse reactions lasting longer than a Mm -hmm. month. Um,
2: oh okay
0: yeah
1: so there's really that that difference but then you know then we also have our micro traumas yeah uh-huh. which you talked about too and that's a uh-huh. whole other ball game mm-hmm. yes so trauma i mean it's all about these negative events but there's various forms of mm-hmm. it
0: okay I, pro- I probably have too many questions about all of those things but maybe we'll get <laughs> to some of those distinctions we'll see how far we get <laughs> absolutely Lauren, that does that definition it settle does. okay with you
2: uh, i like that and um Ever since I've heard it called little T and big T, yep. I've gravitated towards that. Okay, in that so explain it's, that. It's trauma, but depending on how intense that reaction is, we're looking at a little T trauma or a big T trauma. Okay. And so the longer the duration of those reactions to that event, um, that's that's playing into that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... and you've got to be careful not to look at it from that judgmental place of kind of like what you were saying of, I don't see why that would be such a big deal or mm-hmm. such a problem. It's really about an individual's experience mm-hmm. and how they're perceiving something. I do a lot of assessments in my job. And when I'm asking about trauma, I give some examples because some people don't, don't really know what that means and they'll start telling Mm -hmm. me about losing a dog and Mm -hmm. that that has lingered with them for years after the fact and then they start sobbing and you can Mm -hmm. tell that that was actually a traumatic event for them whereas somebody else may see it as you've lost a pet
0: that's not that big of a deal Yeah. Yeah. yeah and how they react to that that experience could also be, or would be, mm-hmm. strongly informed by previous experiences of loss. Mm-hmm. Right, so mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not those those events. I guess wouldn't be isolated. They're not standalone events. The mm-hmm. way you process mm-hmm. what you're facing has a lot to do with what lies in your background and yep. things that you probably can and cannot remember. Mm-hmm. And so it's if you try to work backwards and place a judgment on something, yeah. um, you're probably in a in dangerous territory. Okay, but but. <laughs> I do, and this is pure confession here, guys. You could just say, well, Aaron, you're, that's wrong. I, I I find myself rolling the eyes of my heart sometimes when somebody was like, oh, I lost my keys, and that was traumatic, and I stubbed my toe, and that right. was traumatic, and my wife said something, and she seemed a little grumpy, and that was mm-hmm. traumatic, and I was like, okay, you, how do we draw a distinction between a bad mood, a mm-hmm. bad day, a bad experience versus yeah. something? And it sounds like you're... That sounds what I'm hearing is the distinction is how it affects you moving forward. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How, how the adverse response to that impacts your ability to function. Mm -hmm. So you think about, you know, the, the classic symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, you think of the the soldier that comes home from war, you know, in 4th of July, the fireworks are going off Mm -hmm. and that's, You know, triggering a flashback, nightmares, Mm -hmm. um, disturbance Mm -hmm. in mood, irritability, hypervigilance. Hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Just, I mean, the list can go on. But once again, like those adverse reactions are different between, you know, the big T and the Mm -hmm. little T. So, you know, when I'm doing trauma work with somebody and actually with every client, whether they come in with an identified big trauma, we're actually doing a lot of developmental education Mm -hmm. Mm on what appropriate development looks like for a child because trauma starts day one Mm -hmm. and there's actually a newer you know psychology and i'm not very familiar with it but it was coming out when i was still in school of that prenatal trauma Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: of us uh, our bodies being able to you know remember trauma that's happened to us prenatally
0: yeah so epigenetics the Mm -hmm. idea that um some of not your dna but I'm going to not little markers get tagged onto your DNA and mm-hmm. they get passed back and it can go back three and four generations. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Absolutely. Interesting. Amazing. It's very, there's interesting. a
0: verse in the Bible yes. about the sins of the father being passed down mm-hmm. to third and fourth generation and things like that. And I don't think that's completely out of nowhere. Yep. Um, so that's like that. okay. Yeah. So, okay. What about this then? Um, the phrase is I hear micro trauma floating mm-hmm. around. I've like never heard that. And then suddenly I've heard it. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? Is that a valid distinction? What would you What would you say about that?
2: You touched on. Feel free. I know you touched on it earlier, okay. but yeah, yeah so, go ahead. So
1: micro traumas are these little traumas that happen throughout our life. They mm-hmm. can be, um, you know, being put down by you know another child on the playground. Mm-hmm. They can be um, experiences of sudden abandonment, mm-hmm. which you know today we have the term ghosting. You know, so these things are happening to us, you know, all of us on a regular basis, somebody cutting Mm -hmm. us off, you know, cutting in front of us in line at at Starbucks or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these little things. And so these individual events don't necessarily cause an adverse reaction, but when they're happening over and over in your life, they begin to form, help formulate these beliefs about Mm -hmm. self. So if you think of, you know, the child on the playground who maybe doesn't have the greatest support system at home, um, kind of, you know, lonely on the playground, other children are putting them down. That's Mm -hmm. reinforcing this belief that there's something wrong with that child. Mm -hmm. So the child would think, okay, there must be something wrong with me. And every time they would get this response from the environment of, you know, being pushed away or Mm -hmm. abandoned, it's reinforcing that belief. There's something wrong with Mm -hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually, I do a lot mm-hmm. of that work of addressing yeah. those micro traumas. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and they're not, they're not standalone events again. They're, they're, right. they're repetitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that might hit, again, it might strike one child as traumatic and mm-hmm. another kid as they might laugh it off and think nothing of it. Absolutely. and it's informed by what's in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they're building that sense of self around all of those experiences mm-hmm. and so that's where you see a lot of adults who have really low self-esteem or you know really struggle with feelings of abandonment and it's it's a result of this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, this building of all these experiences over time.
0: Yeah, so I'm thinking about just application for people who are listening. One of my experiences, when people are trying to evaluate, do I need to get help? Do I need to get some prayer? Do I need to see a therapist, etc.? And what I hear a lot is saying, um, what I went through, fill in the blank, doesn't seem like it's that traumatic. Mm -hmm. Or it doesn't seem like the type of thing that should mean that I need to get help. Mm -hmm. And really, the type of thing that it was is almost irrelevant. That's what I'm hearing you say. It's really about... What matters is how you're reacting to it, mm-hmm. how you've been affected by it, and that's not a strong or weak calculation. Absolutely. It's just, it's is it affecting your reality and the way you move out into the world? And if so, then, then maybe you can get Absolutely. some help and that mm-hmm. would be helpful.
1: And then you think about it too, you know, it's it's not only how does it impact the individual person that has experienced the trauma, big T or little T, the family system around that person is going to be impacted as well. The friendships mm-hmm. around that person are going to be impacted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then it's kind of like that ripple effect, you know, and then we talk about generational trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of along those same lines of like, you know, even though something doesn't happen directly to a person, they can still have, you know, that impact or that, that experience of an adverse reaction from a trauma that was somebody else's trauma.
0: Right. Yeah. And if those ripples then extend, like into your family or, or to your family unit well some family units are really strong and those mm-hmm. ripples might not mean much and then others it might it could cause a chain reaction and be really really problematic mm-hmm. and then you're going well now we've got this huge mess and it doesn't feel like that big of a thing and maybe I don't need help but, but then maybe you do. Mm-hmm. So what about a acute versus chronic trauma how would you how would you draw a distinction there I, these are yeah i can't just tell you what's happening i'm just giving you guys words that i've heard and i don't know what they mean so <laughs> i've heard it. acute i've heard chronic how would we distinguish yeah
2: i think you're you're going back to a, a severity or an intensity level as far as you know um how much this is impacting you at that time in that moment versus this is something I'm dealing with over a very long period of time Mm -hmm. and so um, you gave the example of the vet earlier and having the response is it just during the 4th of July that they have that kind of reaction yes is that PTSD still relevant and valid and every fourth of july we have that reaction and that's a stressor Mm -hmm. or is this something every day there's some sort of constant trigger or stressor to that that's triggering these reactions and responses Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. that so it's it's really looking at how a person is experiencing it and how much it's impacting their functioning Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm.
1: yep acute is, is seen more as like um you know you have one major event that has yes. lasting okay. impact mm-hmm. the chronic is like you're living in a home with an abusive family member so uh-huh. this is ongoing chronic everyday mm-hmm. abuse
0: got it yeah that that helps you know I've, i it's a, this isn't about me but if i try to put a personal lens on it i have had things happen to me where people will go oh that must have been that must have been a traumatic event like an acute trauma how were you impacted mm-hmm. by that and i've had to go uh no like i didn't change a thing mm-hmm. um and maybe that's just part of my wiring but i went through a two-year period that just sucked nothing worked it was hard it was exhausting i was frustrated Mm -hmm. and while i haven't noticed like because what i'm getting for your definition of trauma is really how and to what degree it changes the way you live your life Mm -hmm. and i've had acute events Mm -hmm. that didn't change a thing but at the end of that like two-year period i had to look back and go oh i'm different now Mm -hmm. i behave differently i respond Mm -hmm. to things differently things trigger me or or like freak me out in a way that they never did before Mm -hmm. and it like took years to sort of move out of that and that was that was a shift for me because you tend i tend to think one big event that equals trauma Mm -hmm. as opposed to sustained just difficult circumstances Mm -hmm. and that shifting the way you
1: I do want to chime in and I do want to talk about like the diagnostic part of it. You know, Di- like the intent of this is not for people to be self-diagnosing. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about the difference between that acute um acute Stress response in the PTSD. You know, to actually have a diagnosis of PTSD, there are several things that you mm-hmm. have to hit. It's not just having nightmares or just having flashbacks. It's, I mean, it's pretty major. And so mm-hmm. I by no means want people to.
0: I've heard a lot of people self diagnose. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's scary. <laughs> it that's is.
1: Scary because, I mean, yeah. it takes away from, from when it's real. I mean, there's multiple reasons mm-hmm. why that's that's kind of a scary thing. So this is not to self diagnose. I mean, we all essentially experience trauma and some Mm -hmm. of us you know experience heavier trauma than others and basically you know don't worry about the diagnosis that part does not matter the part that does matter is that if you are having these adverse you know reactions to stress where it's impacting your ability to live and function Mm -hmm. then that's whenever you should be calling somebody else to help you out
0: yeah that's a really good distinction Mm -hmm. to make i think it's important it's not like it's Such a bad thing to say, Oh, I, you know, I feel traumatized by this, or to say, I have PTSD. I've heard a lot of people say, I have PTSD, and I was like, I don't think you've ever seen a professional Mm -hmm. ever. Like, I don't know the whole story, but and then, and maybe that's not that big a deal, but then I think of people, um, just in my own circle and in the life of our church who have really like their entire lives are dramatically Mm -hmm. reordered around the fact that they're dealing with a post traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. and it feels flippant and dismissive to what they're experiencing to say oh i have ptsd because and you just say that mm-hmm. conversationally as if mm-hmm. as if it's not that big mm-hmm. a deal.
1: your trauma is not as big as mine i mean that mm-hmm. doesn't feel good to to
2: compare so yeah absolutely for yeah. sure And it's something that I I have people come up with all the time. Social media has been a big influence of that self-diagnosis. And and so they have put that on themselves and then they go around talking about that diagnosis and and how that meets them. And I get a lot of clients that come in and they don't feel validated. They don't feel heard or understood because Mm -hmm. nobody really takes what they're going through seriously. Mm -hmm. Yep. Or oh man, if that's PTSD, then what
1: am I experiencing that's mm-hmm. so much worse? Does that mean that I'm I'm actually broken? Mm-hmm. I
0: see, yeah.
2: And how are they handling that so much better than I am?
0: Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: A lot of comparison goes in there, and and that's not fair. That's not fair for them, yeah. you know, to see this other person and well, if they have that diagnosis, how are they handling that so much better than I am? Well, they may not actually have that diagnosis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we we kind of assume mm-hmm. or we label. So I I think I saw a little glimmer in your eye about (laughs) social media. (laughs) Oh, okay. Say words about that. Can we burn it? Can we burn it to the ground? Like just let it, let it go. Go I just,
2: oh gosh, the soapbox. I can get on. Um, Be very cautious about what you see on social media. Mm -hmm. That's that would be the big picture thing I would say. There's a lot of misinformation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people with reasons for spreading information uh, that I don't know that they maybe have.
0: You're being so careful right now. This is hard. (laughs) The kindness
2: of intentions behind Uh what they're doing. It can be incredibly confusing and overwhelming and misguided and misleading and, uh, I really can't tell you the amount of harm that some of the social media has done to people creating trauma, but yeah. also just just over, overwhelming them even further and trying to figure out... They go there to try and figure out what they're going through and what they're dealing mm-hmm. with, and they're just getting a lot of information that's not very
0: helpful. Yeah, I mean, if you're encouraging somebody to self-diagnose, that's already that's kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's going to that that's going to get particular traction with people who are struggling Mm -hmm. in general so you're already dealing with maybe the more vulnerable people who are going Mm -hmm. to be drawn to something that is encouraging you to self-diagnose and then once you've got someone who's put a label on themselves that may or may not be correct Mm -hmm. now you they're in perfect position for you to then manipulate Mm -hmm. and control and coerce in all sorts of ways Mm -hmm. and that all sounds really grimy to me scary so be careful, be mindful of what your kids might be.
2: Uh, kid, I would say adults too. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of oh, adults yeah. too. I don't, uh, uh, yes, absolutely kids. Um, but I, I do, I see a lot of adults that have gone there too. And um, the other thing that I've seen that I feel like has been kind of trendy lately too is almost coaching people on how to have a certain diagnosis yeah um Hmm. and so kind of going back to that invalidating and demeaning where somebody is is actually Actually going through that
0: versus someone Uh, who's maybe doing some attention seeking right yeah
2: yeah so just just be very very careful
0: my stomach just turns talking about it that that's all very icky it's
2: not about the label man Mm -hmm. it's not about the label it's not
0: so be mindful. <laughs> that was a worthwhile sidebar. I'm like, that was sidebar. a lot to say, be mindful. <laughs> oh, I'm just, just going to throw it out here. I, I think I've put this about every other podcast. You don't, it's, not, it's actually optional to be on social media. There's no law.
2: Total choice. You don't,
0: you don't have to. Unless um, your
1: grandmother wants to see pictures of your children.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. Then so, it is not a choice. <laughs> and there are many wonderful, gratifying things about social media, but you know just saying there's
2: email y'all there's email yeah, there's there text messages That's That's true. True. i mean you just yeah. called me out I, listen it. <laughs> like i when i get started on social media i'm like nope just end it
0: <laughs> <laughs> so let's continue down the path of um aaron saying words he doesn't really know what they mean and then you guys sort of clearing uh the forest for me a little bit um who, who wants to take a shot at talking about how the autonomic nervous system works? Because <laughs> I think it, in, from, from what little tiny drop I know, I think it goes a long way to help us understand how our bodies react to, to life in general. Um, <laughs> Who wants to go for it? Yeah, Lauren. Go for it.
1: Okay. So our Station. Yeah. there we go. There we go. Here we it. go. We'll we'll go. Say she's going so to up. this is normally whenever I get out my whiteboard. Um, mm-hmm. so we're going to try to do this without drawing pictures. Okay. So bear with me. So our autonomic, our autonomic nervous system is our natural it's very um, it's this subconscious response that our body has. So this is what regulates things like our breathing, mm-hmm. our heart rate, our... Um, our muscle movements, all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So we these are things we do not necessarily have conscious thought or control over. Mm-hmm. That is also how we respond to threats yeah. is this autonomic nervous system. And so we have the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous mm-hmm. system within that.
0: So, so if let me just about- hit pause. The autonomic nervous system is... Our, the way our body reacts to things and it's these are things that kind of work on autopilot mm-hmm. a little bit Correct. we don't always inform mm-hmm. like, our, like our digestion for example I'm not telling right. my heart to beat or my right. food to digest it's just happening
1: Absolutely.
0: and so we don't always dictate it so if for example there was a loud bang um, that was startling it would create a whole bunch of cascading effects in your body mm-hmm. and none of that would be something you were consciously Consciously telling your body to do that's a type of stuff the autonomic nervous system does
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. and so within that we have our sympathetic and the parasympathetic and Mm -hmm. the sympathetic is that fight or flight response so Mm -hmm. you just gave the example of you know a loud bang and that startle response Mm -hmm. our first go-to is within that sympathetic and that's that's either fight whatever it is in front of us Mm -hmm. or run and when that is not an option our body will actually go down more towards the parasympathetic, and that goes into freeze, mm-hmm. and then that that other word that we um, have identified as fawn. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the freeze or fawn. So those usually will come after fight or flight is identified as not being an option. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Okay. So I'm, I'm going to pause again okay. on terms. The word sympathetic is not very helpful because we think of sympathy, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it's that's not the correct. I mean it, it's it's. I mean that word makes me think of something different than what you're describing. Mm-hmm. The absolutely. word sympathy, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay. So just don't get for those who are listening, don't get caught up with uh, am I am I showing sympathy for someone? That's mm-hmm. not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about how we react to a moment. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah,
1: I don't know where the origin of that word no comes from yeah it doesn't mm -hmm. matter we just know that it happens and so we have that fight or flight response um and when that's not an option such as if we are a small child living in an abusive home Mm -hmm. for Uh example we're not going to fight yep you know our very large parent and we cannot run nowhere to
0: go because Mm -hmm. we have
1: nowhere to go then we go to the freeze which you know you think of the animal playing dead that's Mm -hmm. freeze so You know, uh, that can be Mm -hmm. seen as like avoidance. That can Mm -hmm. be seen as like falling asleep. um, Those kinds of behaviors. And then the fawn behavior. And that is actually when... I've never heard that one. I've heard the other three. Yeah. Yeah, it's newer. And so fawn is identified as... um, How do I put this into actual words here? Um, You are playing into the relationship so that you are less likely to be a threat to the... Mm -hmm the abuser Mm -hmm. so you are going to um, be the yes man you're going to agree with whatever it is that they're asking for you're going to playing along play along Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah um looking for the term of trying to think of the name of that behavior and it's not coming to my head um um
2: i don't know either Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Anyway. Way to call me out too. Like I'm like, oh dang. Now I don't. <laughs> I can't think What's, of it either. Word? What's the word? Um, you're you're essentially going to be the yes man. Yeah. You're uh-huh. you're saving yourself. You're okay. Let's mm-hmm. let's do what needs to be done. Okay. 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 We got, got it. it. I'm going to roll it.
0: with the punches. I'm not going to mm-hmm. create any ripples. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And that's. That's fawn. That's fawn.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And so fight or flight, I think those are the most familiar terms. Mm-hmm. And fight or flight is not, you don't get to decide whether, how you respond, fight or flight. It right, just right. happens. Right. Is that also true for freeze and fawn? Or is it... Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind I, of a, a reaction. It's mm-hmm. just a response. I mean, this is all the autonomic nervous system. Mm-hmm. So
1: essentially you don't have a choice yeah. in
2: any of this. This is all mm-hmm. a um, subconscious
1: thing that happens. And so that's it's important you know if you are doing work with this area and experiencing these things the important part is being able to identify which one of these am I using.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because so am I is is my behavior being able to identify I'm doing fight flight freeze and fawn. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. out of that you can What what does that then basically get your get your cogni your your conscious mind to sort of take over mm-hmm. and control absolutely. and then be able that way you can actually dictate your choices
1: absolutely mm-hmm. to some degree however that being said depending on the the amount of trauma that you have and this may get really confusing mm-hmm. but you're going to gosh this goes into it's the so brain. much i know there's so much <laughs> this goes into your brain and so we we You know, these responses that we're identifying, these autonomic responses are actually part of what we identify, this is not the technical word, as the reptilian brain. Yeah. And the reptilian brain, the entire job of this core center part of your brain is to keep you alive. Right. Period. Mm -hmm. It is survival brain. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about, being able to be aware of these things, is actually the the
0: prefrontal, the, like the, the
1: prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. It's the outer layers of your brain. Once again, I'm used to having these pictures to describe these things, but it's the newer brain essentially, mm-hmm. and that's where things like um, um, decision making, um, imagination mm-hmm. comes from. That area of the brain being able to problem solve. Mm-hmm. So if you've experienced this you know these major traumas and you're stuck in that sympathetic nervous system all the time if we have this chronic chronic trauma and we're stuck mm-hmm. in this all the time mm-hmm. our ability to problem solve goes out the window mm-hmm. yes so it just depends on the level of trauma that we're dealing with some people yeah. can talk themselves through it some people need to learn regulation skills before yeah. they can mm-hmm. Be able to get into that parasympathetic. So
0: if you kind of get, I'm going to use all these terms will be wrong, but I'm just trying to make it accessible <laughs> for the layperson. <laughs> if you're kind of in sort of the deeper resources of your of your brain, mm-hmm. where you're responding subconsciously, mm-hmm. or uh, it's probably not the right terminology to use, but um, can you get outside of that and then use your more logical mm-hmm. reasoning brain to inform? But if there's like a lot of trauma or you're just kind of in a really tough spot you may not actually be able to right. kick out of that right. reactionary part of your brain and mm-hmm. into the logical part of your brain. Correct, is that right? Yeah,
1: that is correct. Yeah. And so what we would do in therapy is actually teach those regulation mm-hmm. skills. And so that's considered the bottom-up approach. Okay, Where We're actually working from the center of the brain and regulating that center of the brain so that mm-hmm. you can access, access mm-hmm. the higher part of mm-hmm. your brain if we are coming from just talk therapy and we're like, we're just going to process the trauma and talk about Mm -hmm. it and try to make sense of it in your life. That's the top down approach. So Mm -hmm. that's being able to use the logic to connect with
0: Mm -hmm. the reptilian brain. So it's using it's So the so you're talking about using sort of those deeper recesses of your brain to it's working from the inside out versus the outside Mm -hmm. in. Yes. Okay.
2: Absolutely. And so those are two different methods. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're in survival mode, you're not processing. Mm -hmm. You've got to get to a safe place to do that. So that's where those skills come in to get you out of crisis mode, to get you out of survival mode so that you can Mm -hmm. then. So is it fair to
0: say if someone's having, again, probably not the right terminology, but what we would think of as a panic attack, okay? Mm -hmm. They're hyperventilating their heart rates through the roof. They're, you know, the world is feeling Mm -hmm. very, very small, and they're terrified. Mm -hmm. You're actually physically incapable of of high level processing and working Mm -hmm. your way logically through that. Mm Correct. So the so you have to work to get yourself out of that state. Is that what you're talking about? How how through therapy you help Mm -hmm. people regulate. Don't solve a problem in
2: a panic attack. Yes. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Yeah, you can't, it's,
0: uh-huh. you
1: can't do that. Yep. You also cannot think about other people. And that's, mm-hmm. that's something, you know, when we're doing crisis trainings, that's what we will learn is that there's no problem solving if you're in crisis mm-hmm. because you don't have that ability to access that part of the brain. And so that when you're dealing with somebody in crisis, the entire goal of that moment is to get them out of mm-hmm. crisis, not mm-hmm. necessarily the physical part, but getting their brain mm-hmm. to, to, settle down to regulate mm-hmm. back into the parasympathetic. Yeah, And so mm-hmm. those are things like, you know, breathing techniques, meditation, mm-hmm. body scans, which is a type of, mm-hmm. you know, meditation, um, even, you know, simple things like coloring, mm-hmm. going for a walk. Mm-hmm. All of those things are going to help regulate your body mm-hmm. to be able to access that higher thinking.
0: So if you feel yourself getting stuck in those moments where you feel those, again, maybe I didn't give the right list, but your stress is through the roof, your heart's racing, Mm -hmm. elevated breathing, is that type of thing. You feel yourself getting stuck in those for whatever reason, that maybe is a sign that you could really benefit from some therapy where someone can give you some tools to help you not get stuck in that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I've heard this described um, as... as, uh, alertness or like hypervigilance mm-hmm. on one extreme versus very being very calm on the other and it's like a seesaw that goes one way or the other you're kind of in a more calm state or a more a vigilant state mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's shades of each right but some people will just just like you've got like a like a seesaw might get stuck you can get stuck in a hypervigilant mm-hmm. state or in a, in a very calm or almost, I guess that would be more of a depressive state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when people find themselves stuck, they can't always just will themselves out of it. Is mm-hmm. that fair
1: to say? That's very fair. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then there's some people, it feels like the regulator between their... I see a lot of people get stuck, especially in like a hyper-vigilant state. Mm-hmm. So they're just always on alert and mm-hmm. anxious. Mm-hmm. Um and then some people cycle back and forth from one extreme to the next. Mm-hmm. It's almost like whatever it is that regulates um, that seesaw, how loosely that seesaw goes from back and forth, that can get that can get broken, or it can get mm-hmm. um, it can get stuck. Mm-hmm. And and is therapy is one of the ways that you can get mm-hmm. you can get unstuck. Is mm-hmm. that Absolutely. is that too much of an oversimplification? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Aaron had um, earlier before we had started the podcast, Aaron was talking about his dog. Tell the yes. story about your dog. What did you notice about your dog?
0: Okay, my dog uh, is Tyson. He's just adorable. I love him. My wife loves him so much more. Um, <laughs> he's a great little dog, and he will just be completely out of, like, gone to the world sound asleep in this, the most ridiculous poses. I don't know if you ever watch your dog sleep, but they, mm-hmm. g- he gets in the most ridiculous spots and all, he's gone. But then one sound. You know, the UPS man's not his favorite. Um, He hears that truck or he hears a school bus or whatever. He pops up out of that and then almost instantly enters the state where he is at the window, hyper vigilant, every muscle in his body tense, and he is hype, so alert to whatever that threat he feels. Now, if I ever get to that, if I get the state that he just cycled into, it's going to be like, hours before i feel normal again Mm -hmm. um but he'll do that so often i work right next to the window where he loves to come bark at whatever it is right and i'll i'll just look over three minutes later and he's sound asleep on the couch again whereas for (laughs) me it would have taken hours yes (laughs) it's like he cycles in Mm -hmm. and out of those states like with there's just like no friction whereas i don't feel that way at all
1: So the difference between you and your dog is that your dog is in the moment, every moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your dog does not have the ability to think about what happened yesterday, what Mm -hmm. might happen tomorrow, what death might be like. I mean, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your dog is the perfect example of how to stay mindful and in the moment every day. That's how your dog can cycle so quickly. Mm -hmm. So us as humans, I mean, we worry, we're worriers. So we're thinking about, oh my gosh, what happened yesterday? What's gonna happen Mm -hmm. tomorrow? What are people gonna think of me? Well, the last time I had to do this, this was the result, this might Mm -hmm. happen again. That's why, because we're not staying in the present moment. So, you know, Mm -hmm. some of those other skills, you know, that, that meditation, the deep breathing, the other part of that is learning mindfulness, learning Mm -hmm. how to bring yourself to the present moment and recognizing that in this moment, you are not being chased by a bear. Mm -hmm. In this moment, you are sitting on the couch. You are in, you know, our office, if we're in the office setting Mm -hmm. and right now you're loved. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then we identify who, who loves you right now. Mm. And we talk about those things. So it's bringing yourself into that present moment.
0: So to Mm -hmm. go back to an illustration I've used a few times while preaching, that's when I get in my time machine, when I (laughs) jokingly talk about my that only goes forward and at regular speed, Mm -hmm. where I just go, no, I'm here, I'm in this moment, Mm -hmm. I'm not in the future, I'm not in the past, in the present, and getting aware. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: And And some people, I think, find that really difficult to do. And others seem to do that much more easily. Like the difference between my dog and I. My dog who apparently has a much greater state of mental health than I do. Aren't you jealous? (laughs) I'm
1: jealous of that sometimes.
0: (laughs) Me me being jealous of my dog is actually a thing in our home. Uh, Whenever I'm really stressed out, Sharon knows because I'll look at the dog and I'll be like, that dog has like a perfect life. He doesn't have to do anything. Everything's taken care of for him. There's no, everything's provided for him. And Sharon's like, you need a nap. Like, because I'm like, because I'm contrasting. It's like, I got to take care of all this stuff and I'm responsible for this and this. And apparently it comes out in jealousy of my dog.
2: That's all of us. Uh, Yeah, I think that's that's kind of of fair though. Yeah. But you're right. Practicing mindfulness is a lot harder than it sounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, uh, it's, one of the components of, of what we do at at my job at, at Middle Path is is teaching people how to be mindful, how to do that. And there's a lot of different ways and a lot of it's about finding what is effective for you and um what isn't. I I tend to give the example of meditation. I'm a hot mess at meditating. It mm. is It is not a pretty picture. I've Mm. had done trainings on it. I've practiced it in multiple ways. And actually, when I first started working there and um, there was a practitioner coming in to lead a mindful uh, meditation group, I was like, "Mm, how can I skip that? How can I get Mm. out on that?" Like, I really... (laughs) I'm not, that's not my thing. I don't really want to do that. But I made myself go and I made myself try. It and I actually learned there are a lot of different forms of meditation. There are a lot of different ways to do it. Not just let me sit here and breathe and only focus on my breath and do nothing but think about my breath and, sh- you know, shun all other thoughts. It, right. it, it never worked. I never could do it because I've got a billion things going on in my head. And so it's kind of just finding, finding what works, but it is, it's a hard thing to do, but that being able to do that and get in that present moment is really, really crucial for someone trying to come out of that distressed state, that crisis place.
0: So if I could put on sort of my more cynical hat, like I could hear someone saying, um, especially from a Christian perspective saying, mm-hmm. oh, mindfulness, uh, that's a bunch of psycho babble. They just need to pray. Um, and, uh, I, I, to that, I just kind of want to say meditation has been a form of Christian prayer for like 2000 years now and, and we do lose loose, yep. sight of that. And, um, Absolutely. so those two, those two ideas, meditation and prayer, mm-hmm church history biblically speaking they're not mutually exclusive there's a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of overlap and prayer is very much a form of mm-hmm. meditation mm-hmm. Um, and so just just in case people have little yep. warnings popping up it's like what is this what is this mindfulness stuff mm-hmm. I I have time with Jesus I would say time with Jesus is a is a really helpful way to be mindful mm-hmm. to be aware and and to again what you're trying to do I mean I'm, I'm no expert or anything approaching it but uh, a lot of mindfulness is well let's let's be aware mm-hmm. of our surroundings let's really understand what's happening let's sort of tune into what's happening in our bodies. Mm-hmm. All of those are prayer practices and can be exclusively mm-hmm. a prayer practice like people who um have a you know wouldn't would never use the word meditation or mindfulness, but they have a very they have a very intentional um prayer life mm-hmm. where they walk in real intimacy with Jesus, I would say. Yeah, you don't need to word to learn those words or those right. practices because you've already found it yep. naturally in just your life with the Lord.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And yep. so uh, it, they're not mutually exclusive. <laughs> and, they, and they don't need to be pitted against one another either. That's I think. And
2: you know, it's no. terminology. I mean,
0: yeah. that
2: I mean that's really what it comes down to. It, it, prayer is absolutely Meditation and meditation, I I absolutely agree with that. It's just really what's meeting your need and where you're at. Mm -hmm. I um, lean heavy on,
1: you know, in our previous podcast, we had talked a little bit about, um, you know, the integrated wellness and the purpose behind that of being mind, body and spirit, you know, trauma work requires levels of spirituality mm-hmm. as part of that mm-hmm. process of of being able to self-regulate you know knowing that you're in the present moment knowing that you're not alone mm-hmm. you know and that spirituality can look different you know for different people mm-hmm. you know as a therapist we don't want to judge that mm-hmm. but um you know that's the time that we do bring in our faith you know mm-hmm. god is walking with you mm-hmm. whoever you're, you identify as your higher power is going to walk with you mm-hmm. through this journey um, and that often brings a lot of comfort mm-hmm. to bring that into practice. Mm-hmm. So, yes, prayer meditation, that goes hand in hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so what about this? If there's someone, um, maybe they're hearing this and they're saying, you know what, I do kind of get stuck in that, you know, hypervigilant state or I get I get stuck in places of deep stress or anxiety or panic, things like that. Um, and I, I have a hard time regulating, getting back to the normative state. And, and to that we're saying, hey, you could really benefit from therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, this might make you both cringe just a little bit, but there are some people who they're just they're not they're just not they're mm-hmm. just not going to do it. <laughs> Correct. They're going to yep. say, <laughs> yep. uh, uh, I you know I, I have my own ways, or I have better ideas, or I have really strong feelings about that, or my parents went to a therapist and they were divorced three months later, and I blame you know." There's lots of reasons, mm-hmm. <laughs> valid or not. Um, uh, some people go, uh, "Finances are an enormous barrier." Mm-hmm. And the integrated wellness and our church and others help have helped that. to try to solve that, but it can a gap still remains there are other people who just they're just they're just not for whatever reason are there other things, especially if someone let's say they're kind of they're having these sort of trauma informed responses mm-hmm. based on some of the stuff we've we've described where they're you know again they're they're getting stuck in, in places of panic and they're you know what are some of the valid things that they could do um, to help them learn how to regulate on their own in the event that they're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go see a therapist for whatever reason.
1: Well, let's get out our list. It's <laughs> long list. We <sighs> can do long list. So, and, I mean, yeah. identifying your triggers in your environment mm-hmm. is a big one. So, if you are anxious and you're listening to the news, if you're listening oh gosh, to if you're you on know social media, mm-hmm. social media, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a big rock band name and it's not coming to mind but metallica do what metallica metallica yeah if you're listening to these things you know and they're in your environment they will absolutely play into trauma response just general anxiety so being aware of what's happening Mm -hmm. in your environment taking care of your body getting enough sleep Mm -hmm. coming to you know identifying a routine for yourself Mm -hmm. um I feel like I'm talking too much. Lauren, you No, go. yeah,
2: you're you're hitting on a lot of it and I'm I'm thinking through we do a model called DBT at Middle Path and you know, it touches on a lot of the skills that we teach. One of them is have I eaten today? Uh-huh. Have I, you know, am I hydrated? Um, how much sleep did I get? Looking at some mm-hmm. basic things that can help check like physically where you're at and mm-hmm. can also lower Where you are, you know, your heart rate, how much caffeine have you had? Are we on the third two liter of Mountain Dew? I'm not judging. My husband is a chronic diet Mountain Dew drinker, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of caffeine in there. And if you're already amped up, you're just continuing that process and making it worse. So there are some very small, simple day-to-day things that you can do. Not to
0: get too down in the weeds, but like if you feel yourself dealing with a lot of stress and anxiety then, like, you should limit your caffeine intake. Like, that's that's right, isn't it? You should. I mean, yes, yeah. you
1: should. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: ca- you can have...
1: Easier said than done, huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And those, yeah. you know, yeah. when you were listing that, it made me think of um, a, a couple of acronyms. Um, in 12-step process, they talk about HALT, mm-hmm. Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. Correct. Like, and, that, and to me, that's getting in your time machine and going, okay, am I hungry? Am right. I angry? Am I lonely? And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm four for four. Yeah. Um, And then my, uh, this is a silly thing that I made up one day, Uh, just in general, it's a broad category. When I'm not doing well, my little acronym is I need to get sped up, which involves a lot of slowing down, but just a forced acronym. I'm a preacher, I think like this. Um, Sleep, prayer, Mm -hmm. exercise, diet. So how and I have to go sleep first. I literally can't even pray if I'm sleep deprived. Mm-hmm. So it's for me it's sequential, and this mm-hmm. so sort of, I've sort of worked it out. Okay, this is what helps me get sort of my feet back underneath me. Mm-hmm. A you know a healthy sleep pattern, prayer, exercise, and then diet. For me, it goes exercise and diet because if I exercise, I'm more motivated to diet, and for some mm-hmm. people, if they diet, they're more motivated to, ex- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to exercise. But like sort of intentionally finding okay, what actually works for me to help me get. Regulated, to for lack of a better word.
1: Yep. Yeah. And then I would add to that too, um, check in with your breathing. You know, we had talked about mm-hmm. the mindfulness stuff and really that all goes back to the breath. Yep. Um, I was working with a law enforcement officer, you know, who was not really, he wasn't buying into the whole DBT stuff. Um, but what he found to work for him was getting in his car. And every day mm-hmm. when he would get in his car before he would, you know... Start his shift, he would put his hands on his, on the steering wheel and take a deep breath in through his nose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not through his mouth and just allow himself to be in that moment and notice what it feels like to sit Mm -hmm. in his car. Mm -hmm. And then he was ready for the day. Mm -hmm. So just being able to recognize what it feels like to breathe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's going to bring you out of that pair, out of the sympathetic into the parasympathetic Mm -hmm. where you can regulate. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Remember after, um, I mentioned earlier I had a couple years where life was just brutal, <laughs> mm-hmm. and one of the things where I, I one of the things that wake helped me wake up to realize oh I'm I'm actually in a really tough spot is I'd had so many pieces of bad news come by way of text message, <laughs> um that every time I looked out at my phone because I'd gotten a notification of a new text message my body was reacting to it mm-hmm. my heart would drop my my pulse would elevate. It was like, I'm like legitimately triggered by a text message. And how many of those do we get a day? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and most of them are neutral or great, yeah. <laughs> but you get enough times where you, a text message brings something really difficult. Then suddenly you're reacting to something as normal as a text message in a mm-hmm. way that puts you in this, in a in a really bad mm-hmm. frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if, if people are saying, okay, if, I or someone I love needs to get some help. What should I? What should I look for? What should I be looking for in a spouse who I think is is needing to get help managing stress, anxiety, or some of the trauma that is affecting mm-hmm. the way that they live their lives? Are there any like any things in particular that they could be looking for?
1: Lack of sleep, um, poor appetite, um, not being able to focus. Mm-hmm.
0: Losing irritability, irritability losing mm-hmm.
1: things, you know, forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, there's kind of like a laundry list, but those are
2: maybe like the main ones. Kind of the most obvious things, yeah, That the kind of in-your-face stuff. Like, this is just not how they normally... Role. This isn't...
0: To so just change and... When one of these the things brain.
2: impacts your ability to function
1: on a regular basis, you know, that's what I always go back to. When, when you're starting to have symptoms that are impeding your ability to function, mm-hmm. like daily living activities, showering, mm-hmm. eating, sleeping, having conversations with loved ones, um, going out with friends, when you are unable to do those things because of something that mm-hmm. is happening whether it be like the depressive symptoms or anxiety symptoms those are all
2: red flags for Mm -hmm. you know maybe it's time to reach out for some help and i think it goes back to one of your initial questions is it's more than just a bad day it's more than just this one day i'm not feeling it Mm -hmm. i'm not feeling like socializing it's i'm noticing a pattern start to happen i'm noticing this is happening more and more and you're disengaging from life Mm. more and more
0: yeah it's interesting yeah, it was it reminded me of a of something uh I did at there's on on um a, on a, I'm trying to decide if I should give this illustration but I will, it's fine. Um <laughs> on a mixing board for like a like a soundboard like we have in the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um there's a thing called compression and compression um basically think of the sound going through a tube and it cuts off the highest peaks and it cuts down it cuts out the lowest peaks so it sort of keeps you in the middle from sort of the spectrum of sound the high peaks or the really loud stuff through the really quiet stuff the really screechy stuff it all gets cut out because compression mm-hmm. limits how much will happen in that sort of in that spectrum um and i realize i very much have a compression knob i determine how emotionally available or unavailable i'm going to be based on what is required of me in the moment, okay? So like I spend some, okay, I'm, I'm about to go do a funeral. How do, I, what do I need to do? How can I regulate so that I can be emotionally available to the people I'm talking to um, and not lose it while mm-hmm. I'm trying to be hopefully a source of comfort? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and one of the things I, I noticed, again, going back to ugh, the the rough spot <laughs> going back a few years ago is my, my capacity to do that Like I kept turning up the compression, turning it up Mm -hmm. and up and up and up and limiting the emotional range, what I was experiencing more Mm -hmm. and more and more. And then one day, the knob just broke. And my capacity to regulate out and and cut out those emotional highs and lows Mm -hmm. was just gone. Mm -hmm. It was just gone. And I became a much more open and honest and vulnerable person Um, And I also became like a way less regulated person for for a while, like Mm -hmm. for quite a while actually. It took me a long time to sort of move out of that because I was using that compression too much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It became my coping mechanism to the point that I I broke it and the capacity Mm -hmm. to do it was gone. It took Mm -hmm. me a while to bounce back from that.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, you kind of identify too, like it took you a while to bounce back, but... You know, we don't always recognize when we're in that Mm -hmm. place. It Mm -hmm. may take having a loved one, you know, tell you like, hey, something's going on here. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, identifying communication is a huge part of all of this and not Mm -hmm. to fear that kind of communication. You know, Mm -hmm. if somebody is saying that to you, they're probably coming from a place of love, not Mm -hmm. from a place of shame.
0: Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
1: So kind of going into that place of like normalizing, you know, this, this can happen to any of us and it happens to all of us.
0: Yeah. And it's really helpful if you, I'm glad you said that because it takes a matter it's uh, it, it takes, um, it, it takes a lot of courage to say to someone, Hey, I'm concerned about you for these reasons. Mm-hmm. That person is taking a risk of upsetting you, of hurting you. If they didn't love you, they wouldn't be bringing it up in the first place. So that means they value your relationship. So it, they're taking a real risk to say, "Hey, I'm I'm concerned, mm-hmm. and this is why." And maybe they're right, and maybe they're wrong. But we need to go all that we can to be gracious and see that exclusively as an act of kindness, yes, and not an attack. Yes, when someone says, "Hey, I'm I'm concerned. I think you might you might benefit from you know this, that, or the other thing." Absolutely. Yeah. So I like it. Let's, I think we've sort of covered the bases here. And like we said earlier, it's such an incredibly broad topic, but let's shift um, and talk specifically about our faith
2: mm-hmm.
0: and trauma. Um, and so uh, we, we've sort of, I've been talking to mental health professionals. I've been trying to use your language, which I don't know. <laughs> um, but the fact is, the fact that we have life with Jesus, the fact that we have security Uh, in our ultimate destiny Mm -hmm. um, uh, is incredibly helpful in trying to deal with the inevitably traumatic things that hit us in this life. So how would you say, Stacia, our faith in Jesus can impact the way that we respond to trauma or even how we might have hope to heal?
1: Yeah. So going back to, you know, when we were talking about learning those regulation skills Um, You know, when we're in that place of crisis and we're not able to think or process those bigger things, how we regulate ourselves is to calm our system down by recognizing that we are safe Mm
0: -hmm. and that we
1: are loved. So I had shared, you know, in my office, that's where I will go with clients is recognizing you are in my office right now. We have this relationship. You are safe. You are loved. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. And that is often where I will bring in spirituality because uh-huh. if we can identify that Jesus is walking with you, mm-hmm. you aren't alone through this process, even if it feels like you are. Mm-hmm. You really aren't. Mm-hmm. That's so beneficial mm-hmm. to clients.
0: Well, I'm sure you are. I mean, I know for a fact, actually, that you, your your services are available to anyone in any Absolutely. walk or stage of mm-hmm. life. Um, but I would imagine if someone... you someone reveals to you, hey, I'm, I'm a Christ follower, then you, you must think okay, well there's this whole language that's available to us now yes. that wouldn't be available otherwise. It's not to say that people without Jesus can't find meaningful healing or make meaningful progress at all mm-hmm. but suddenly it's like there's, there's a lot more tools available to you right. as far as how you might be able to help this person.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. it's very difficult. Very oh. difficult. Um, yeah. So, yes, encouraging, finding their spirituality is mm-hmm. once again a huge oh. part of it.
0: And you were talking about um, helping people recognize that they are okay and they are loved. So that can happen in therapy, obviously. Um, but that should be happening to some degree all the time in any kind of a healthy community, mm-hmm. right? So if we gather for worship or you just if you just gather for prayer with anybody, a small group, mm-hmm. um, with your family, your kids, your spouse, if that's your story, whatever, you should be... Um, in a Christian community (laughs) that is marked by the way of Jesus in a meaningful way, you shouldn't be able to gather and not be told you are safe and you are loved in in lots of different ways because it's so fundamental to the the core of our faith and Mm -hmm. the message of Jesus.
1: Yep. Encouraging that community is a huge part Mm
2: -hmm. of it as well. Yeah. And being willing to reach out to others. uh, And, you know, this is somewhat coming from a personal experience, but, you know, it can be hard to be that person that's like, I'm going to go and introduce myself to this new group in this new place that I'm in. And Mm -hmm. maybe being that person, like I am established, let me, let me invite that person. Let me step out because, then that makes them more comfortable Mm -hmm. to be willing to join the small group or to Mm -hmm. be willing to to do something more. And and it helps them feel like what we're – what they're maybe hearing in other places that you are loved and you are wanted and you are cared for. Here's just this random person that's given me that example too. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have that established mindset that people don't care and I'm not wanted and I'm not loved. Mm-hmm. And here's just this example that came out of nowhere that I'm not used to getting it. Mm-hmm. So it starts to build a new a new reference point mm-hmm. for them. A new neural network
0: mm-hmm. in your brain. Uh-huh. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would you say to someone and, and it would take some self-aware to notice this, some self-awareness, but people would say, I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm struggling on, you know, a number of levels or I'm dealing with depression or intense anxiety. Um, social settings tend to, or can for some people, trigger those things all the more. And I think people really do have a tendency to isolate mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and pull themselves away from community. And yet, a healthy community where you know that you're safe and you are loved is like at the core of what's needed. Yes. So what might people need to look for to rec- to be honest, to see am I starting to do that? Am I starting to isolate? Mm-hmm. And then what would you say to them to try to encourage them to to take the risk and and show up and be present in a place? <sighs>
2: For me, I think part of it's just being noticed. I mean, that goes a long mm-hmm. way that I noticed you weren't there or I noticed, mm-hmm. I noticed like you didn't show up, and I'm used to seeing you, even if you have maybe been more in the corner.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, but I think it's important to have that little bit of courage to maybe find somebody to say, you know, I'm not feeling connected. I'm mm-hmm. not feeling like this is maybe the place for me or mm-hmm. Um, if you have that if you're maybe not not, not that isolated yet to mm-hmm. where um, you can say that but I feel like within the Christian community and, and just feeling like I am in a church or I'm in an environment that is about what it's supposed to be mm-hmm. about that community and that involvement somebody's going to notice mm-hmm. that you're not there mm-hmm. and Maybe you're that person that notices. Yeah. And that that scary. can be really powerful that mm-hmm. in that sea of people you're you're the one that noticed that this person is slowly mm-hmm. disengaging or hasn't shown up and that can be very very powerful to get mm-hmm. that phone call or mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. To
2: the person who is, you know, starting to
1: disengage or notice that they're disengaging. I am actually, you know, grateful for COVID for one thing. Mm. It has broadened our ability to meet virtually Mm. for virtual groups. That has been, Mm -hmm. you know, such a blessing for Mm. people in 12 step programs, you know, especially across the board, having that access 24 seven finding groups. You know, I know you guys do some virtual groups as well. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, our church that is also, you know, the services are online, like Mm -hmm. being able to connect. If we're too nervous to go out or too, um, you know, whatever the symptoms are, that was just Mm -hmm. a symptom I identified. But if we're unable to leave our house because of the symptoms at least starting with maybe connecting virtually Mm -hmm. and maintaining some sort of connection you know Lauren was talking Mm -hmm. about like phone calls and things like that there are a ton of options now way more than Mm pre-COVID and I always say taking baby steps and be Mm -hmm. patient with yourself Mm -hmm. you know don't try to Mm -hmm. tackle it all at once there's this other hype um, that I hear about you know this exposure therapy of like we're just gonna bring them to church and put them in the center you know and (laughs) throw them into the wolves and it's like no that Mm -hmm. is Mm. We can't do that.
0: Mm. Yeah. Baby steps. Add to the list of traumatic experiences. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't
2: do Baby steps. So yeah. we'll never come yourself. back again. Do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, on the other on the other hand, though, um I, I'm and I'm so strongly agreeing that that, that would be a horrible idea. But on, <sighs> at the other hand, <laughs> um, if someone is thinking, you know, there are a lot of people dealing with trauma, they need to be told that they're safe and that they're loved. I'm not a therapist. I can't do mm-hmm. what Sasha does. I can't do what Lauren does. Mm-hmm. But if at the really at the core is letting people know that they're loved, um, like saying hello to one, to someone on a Sunday morning and uh, greeting them warmly um and even not just on sunday mornings on i mean these are sacred gatherings when we gather so i think there's uh, that's a force multiplier cuz we gathered in the lord's presence but at a at kroger or fill in the blank just mm-hmm. being welcoming and kind and engaging doesn't make you a therapist but you are doing something mm-hmm. therapeutic and potentially something really healing and mm-hmm. like it matters significantly and we can go those are tiny. Those are tiny little things. But we mm-hmm. talk about micro traumas. Yep. But you can also have like micro healings, and mm-hmm. sometimes just being warm and kind and smiling and saying, "I'm glad that you're here. Or, I'm glad I bumped into you. Or it's so nice to see you." Mm-hmm. That's that's a micro healing. It's a micro therapy in a way. If, if, if people are also yep. getting hit with micro traumas. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love it. You are mm. totally correct.
0: And every any sort of any sort of gathering for worship is just we're we're. We're setting the stage for that in really mm-hmm. meaningful ways. So, uh, one last idea here. You guys, I, you're b- both part of our church. Um, joining God in the renewal of all things is our mission statement. And what part of what I love so much about that is it's an overarching story that says um, you're not an accident. There's You have a place in the world. God is renewing mm-hmm. all things. You have a place and a purpose in it. And um, I think when people are... I think as you're dealing with trauma, maybe you can maybe you can correct this, but maybe your 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 view of the world gets smaller and smaller. You get hyper focused mm-hmm. on whatever that difficulty is, and you can lose sight of a larger a larger place mm-hmm. and a, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I just want to take a minute, man. If you're if you're dealing with trauma, if you're if you're feeling like stress or anxiety are starting to take over. Uh, I will encourage you as we've already said, don't isolate, mm-hmm. take the baby steps. Um and if you're willing, get help. Mm-hmm. Um but then one of the things I wanna just frame up for you is we have a purpose and a place and a mission. God is renewing all things mm-hmm. and we have a, we have a place in a larger story, the ultimate story to join God in the renewal of all things. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's actually not a question in that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but that was I up, beautiful. I ended yeah, up giving a sermonette. I like it.
0: Sorry. That's
1: exactly um, where I needed to go. Mm-hmm.
0: Good. Did we hit all the high points you guys know? Are we, are, is there anything else you feel like we need to hit if we're like, oh man, we missed it if we didn't discuss it?
2: I, I think you did. I mean, yeah, I think we kind of covered everything. Of be course, we can willing go into- to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, I, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm sure Stacia's the same way. You know, I'm happy to answer questions. If you don't know where to start, you know, grab mm-hmm. somebody. Ask, um, Aaron, mm-hmm. I have no doubt would be happy mm-hmm. to like steer you towards someone. But yes. uh, ask somebody and and ask somebody that maybe can at least guide you to someone who will know <laughs> yes the answer. That's great, um, or get you to that answer. Mm-hmm. So i um, not trying to go back on my social media soapbox, but make it, <laughs> you know, ahead. make All your right. question you to somebody yeah. that can give you a helpful answer,
0: yeah. you know,
2: or help Absolutely. you find that helpful answer. Yeah. I guess is more what I want to we say. We can do
0: something more, more helpful in our context than just, hey, go Google that. Right. Because there actually are a disproportionate amount of mental health professionals within the life of our church is part of the reason why we're doing this series because we have access to people with a lot of expertise. Um, across a a variety of fields and so you Mm. may not know who lauren or stacia are but if you're in our church there's a good chance you know who i am Mm -hmm. and i would be happy to introduce you to one of these folks or one of a whole bunch of others that Mm -hmm. are in our church um who can help you you know within you know through christian lenses as well say here's here might be some helpful steps Mm -hmm. maybe maybe you could benefit from some from some therapy and here's some places you could look for that and help kind of refer people along. We have a list of, of folks we refer people to mm-hmm. as well. We're, we're helpful. We're happy to help people find a spot right? Um, to, to get some help. And people will often ask me questions like, do Do I need therapy or do I just need prayer or do I just need to read the Bible? My answer is almost always yes. Just mm-hmm. all of yes to all of all the, the above. above. All of it. They're not at odds with one another. They're not mutually mm-hmm. exclusive or anything like that. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking time and sharing your expertise and digging into this stuff with us. It's really helpful. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.